spider pig, spider pig. Does whatever a spider pig does. No, no, no. Can he swing Whoa. from a web? No, he can't. He's a pig. Look out. No, Here no. comes spider pig. That's, is that what you researched? Because that's wrong. We're not doing spider pig? From, no. From the Simpsons movie? No. Spider-Man. Spider hyphen capital M-A-N. Because I had to correct myself multiple times when typing up my Oh, notes. that makes so much more sense. The animated series. Yeah. 94. Yeah. Yeah, that. that. makes so much more sense. Because there's not a lot on spider pig. Come, it's you know, literally that. It's and maybe one scene at the end. One, yeah, one scene at the end. He was also known as Harry Plopper. Yeah. Um, but there's... yeah. There's That's not what we're talking about. Good. Cause well, it's we could because we technically covered him now completely. Completely. Everything there's, we know of spider pig's been... There's been nothing else to talk about. So. No. so now that there's not. Well, Spider-Man, Spider-Man the animated, animated series. series. I loved this show um, and glad that we are talking about it today on the What the What podcast. Yes. Um, this show came out in 1994 I, at the height of our childhood in a mm-hmm. way. Um, it would come on at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, so you would like catch it like as you were getting off the bus or maybe a couple minutes into the show. Um, fantastic show. I, I can't, I'm so glad we're talking about it today. They should have planned bus routes better. They really should have. Why didn't buses look and see what like Fox Kids and other things was playing? Well, as long order? as you were home by 4 or 4.30, you can catch Power Rangers then. Well, you could, but you missed out on Spider-Man. You did. Thankfully, I saw a lot of Spider-Man. I don't remember how that worked necessarily because I stayed at school with my mom a lot of times until she got off work. But I don't know, I guess reruns or however the world worked then. Yeah, but this this came out again in 1994. And um, let's go ahead and jump into uh, our thoughts and memories on the show. This show was one of the very first like animated series that had ongoing stories. Mm-hmm. Um, most cartoons were self-contained in each episode. I think X-Men did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Batman might have done it to some extent. Some. But this was literally every episode led to another uh, part of the season. And everything, there were callbacks and series. And um, like one season was contained, you know, this one big overarching story. And it really kind of changed the way we as kids looked at animated shows. Uh, it was a serious kind of show, mm-hmm. um, even if it was for kids. And they did it in a cool way, too, though, where if you didn't catch yesterday's episode, you can watch today and still not be completely out of the loop. Like, yeah. they continued the story, but it didn't, you didn't have to catch necessarily every episode to be able to understand where in the world you were at that point. And this is one of, the, this show right here was the original great Marvel crossover. It truly is. I mean, this show, I, I took, made a list of all the heroes I got introduced to just by watching this show. But before this, I knew the X-Men, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, in terms of Marvel. I knew the X-Men, I knew Spider-Man. Sure. Um, this introduced me to Daredevil, okay. Iron Man, Captain America, Blade, Black Cat, Doctor Strange, Punisher, War Machine, and the Fantastic Four. Didn't know anything about any of those superheroes until I watched this show and they were introduced in, either in like um, multi-part episodes or mm-hmm. get whatever. I, this really introduced me to comic book yeah. uh, heroes in general uh, just by watching this show. I'll say I started off, this wasn't the first Spider-Man show I'd ever watched. I started watching, I guess it was reruns at the time. Spider-Man and His Amazing, hey, Amazing Friends. Friends. And I love that show. Uh, I had two VHSs from that show. It was one where you, uh, well, his amazing friends were Iceman and Starfire, right? That's her name? Yeah, Star- that's correct. Yeah. And I loved it. And I obviously thought that that's how he operated. He was with one. If you saw one, that you always saw the two of them together. Uh, and so I didn't know any different. The first one I had, like I said, was the, showing you how F- Firestar came about. The next one was a team up where he goes and helps the X-Men. Yes. And so seeing them in that era, I knew about the X-Men then. Uh, I want to say that Captain America and Iron Man randomly made a little appearances in that show, but nothing that made you realize anything about them. Uh, but yeah, this show was the first time, like coming into this show, already knew a little bit about Spider-Man. I really liked him because that was what I had available to watch. But now I love this show. And honestly, thinking back about it as I was doing this, nearly everything I know about Spider-Man comes from this show. Oh, absolutely. Me too. I didn't like, I feel like I had a few comic books when I was growing up about Spider-Man, but it didn't teach me anything about Spider-Man. Everything I know is based off this show. So I'm sure I'm a little off on some of my Spider-Man facts because they're based off of this show. Well, they stayed very close to the source source material. Um, This show is one of the reasons Spider-Man is my favorite superhero. Mm -hmm, For sure. Um, You know, he's had so many movies um, come out. um, We're at eight movies now or seven movies. Somewhere in there. Um, 
eight if you include the uh, the Spider Verse movie. Mm-hmm. But this show set the tone for me. It did. Um, I don't like Spider Man because of the movies. I liked him because of this, and I really liked the movies after because of this. Like uh, absolutely, of show. I wouldn't have wanted to really see the movies. No, had it not been for this show. Um, so just a fantastic show. I I loved it. Uh, I loved the fact that there was crossovers. I liked the fact that these were long-term storylines like mm-hmm. you would see in the style of a comic book where you'd read issue one, but you got to read all 12 issues to get the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and this show really set that style up um, the same way, and it just made the show just incredible to watch. For me, too, based off of those facts, growing up, like watching this, Mary Jane was always his love interest. Right. So whenever I saw anything about Gwen Stacy, I was like, oh, this... I, I don't know who she is, but MJ, that's that's his girl. Yeah. But it turns out, like, comic book-wise, well, Gwen Stacy was first, and she was around, and how things were. Because I think in the, the TV show, they never showed her, except, like, one episode or something, but there wasn't. It was uh, the very last episode, I believe, where yeah. there was an alternate. Uh, they had multiple Spider-Men in the mm-hmm. last episode, which another another cool thing. Yeah, and he met her there, but it wasn't based off of, like, I think they said the producer or editor, whatever, said with the show, like, he was going to have one interest, and it was MJ. Yeah. So for me growing up, that's the Spider-Man I knew. And I'd honestly, the Spider-Man I knew was based off this show because he was a worker that took pictures for the Daily Bugle. He was in college. He was in college. I didn't know the Spider-Man that was in high school. The one we're seeing now in, in movies, which is awesome and it's great. Um, and there's been other great cartoon series out since then where he's based in high school that I loved and were great too. But this is the first one that got me started. Like That's what I knew of Spider-Man. He's right. a photographer. He takes pictures. Um, I had... Did you have the action figures at all for the show? I had the action figures. I remember they uh, released um, some through McDonald's, like the Happy Mm -hmm. Meals. Yep. And I definitely had the uh, the Spider-Man that came from that. Uh, We talked about, in our Toy Story episode, Mm -hmm. how you'd have all these different team-ups. And we talked about it with with the Summer Memories episode as well, where you'd have all these different... um, Toys teaming up, the mm-hmm. you know you create your own little stories. Spider Man and the Power Rangers were all my, perfect. My go to team up because yeah. you had the Zords and you had Spidey who can you know ride the Zords yeah, exactly or web sling around. Mm-hmm. Um, so it definitely had the toys. Um, just I remember there being one like because like with Batman for instance, you have Batman toys and course. there was a couple Bruce Waynes, but most Bruce Waynes had some feature that turned him into Batman. I remember this one being cool where there was literally a Spider-Man toy and there was a Peter Parker toy. Right. And Peter Parker had a camera built like into his hand permanently. Mm-hmm. And so I remember playing with it. He had like a brown leather jacket, I think a red shirt and jeans on. Yeah. And I think and that goes into part of, I don't know what all we have written down as far as our facts or fun stuff, but mm-hmm. just going through that there now, Batman the Animated Series, hands down one of the top best animated shows of all time, best Batman things of all time. Mm-hmm. But something they did differently with this show, in Batman the Animated Series, your main focus is Batman. Right. You don't really get to know the, the man of Bruce Wayne. You, you get parts of him, you see him here and there. But with Spider-Man, they did it different. You see a whole lot of Peter Parker mm-hmm. and get to really know Peter Parker. And then whenever he's Spider-Man, you also get a, a decent amount of that. But they did the opposite of what Batman did. So it made sense to have a Peter Parker toy. Um, I remember playing with that where you'd have one Spider-Man like hidden off somewhere. And you're playing with Peter Parker, and he'd have to go run and change into Spider-Man, so you kind of throw him off and then grab Spider-Man and let him come into the scene. Another thing this show really did was jump into your villains' backstories, mm-hmm. and you, it made you they made them more than just one-dimensional villains. It made you look at them as people with real motivations. You kind of, in a way, sympathize with some of them. Sure. Yeah, they had evil intentions or bad intentions. Some of them just wanted to, you know, do something that wasn't considered good by. Spider-Man standards, mm-hmm. but they just, you know, maybe they wanted to see a loved one. They or, had goals or, for something. They had, yeah, and it was, so it gave them a deeper layer um, as opposed to this is just your bad guy of the week. What's like literally, you know, right before we started this episode, we were in another room talking with producer Ricky about Adam's West Batman and talking about all the villains on that show, you know, Egghead and the Riddler and Joker and Catwoman, all these people. On that show in that time period, you didn't really get a backstory with them. They were just the good guys versus the bad guys. And that's all you needed. No, and it was. And, like, you know, it holds up in its own way. But to go back and watch this now, and to really, there was so much in-depth character, like you talk about the backgrounds with these, with the villains, with the good guys, mm-hmm. with Aunt May, with other people. Uh, like, you had the kingpin running all these other things. Yeah. And then he also has, you know, he's Wilson Fist to the public. Mm-hmm. They don't know he's the, the kingpin of crime. No. He's got a, a wife and a, and a family and stuff. And you get to know him in depth with that. Um, same way, like, seeing... The Daredevil TV show now, like whenever mm-hmm. or Netflix show when that came out, I was super excited with Kingpin because I knew Kingpin from Spider Man. Yeah, like the animated series. Growing mm-hmm. up, I was like, oh man, that's kind of cool how they did this, and you're excited because 
you know what Kingpin's possible of. Um, I don't know. It's just one of those shows. I know they did it with Batman as well. You know, I compared the two a lot. X-Men, same way. All three of these shows were out about the same time. Honestly, just amazing cartoon shows, just especially for just shows in general. But they went so much deeper than just a typical, uh, you know, here's 25, 30 minutes of good guy versus bad guy. There's so much story that went along with Definitely. it. Definitely. Um, Christopher Daniel Barnes was the voice of Peter Parker in Spider-Man. Is that Tyler Daniel's brother? No. He was the voice of Prince Eric from The Little Mermaid. He was also, um, was it Peter in the Brady Bunch? Yes. Yeah. yeah. He was, he was um, Not the TV show, but all the movies, movies. that randomly came out. Uh, and let's just go ahead and jump into uh, favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Uh, while we're talking about this, I felt like Christopher Daniel Barnes did a fantastic job portraying both sides of Peter Parker and Spider-Man. You had Peter Parker who wanted to live a normal life, uh, go on dates, study, um, and then but he's um, showing the conflict of, well, I have this responsibility to stop these villains as the superhero Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was fanta- just a fantastic job and did a great job as Spider-Man. We've had some really good Spider-Mans uh, in the past you know, 30 years. Um, Tom Holland is fantastic as Spider-Man. He is. He really is, and he gives a, a great you know, spin on it. I will say, if I'm reading a comic book now with Spider-Man or whatever, this is the voice I hear, though. Absolutely. The same way that Kevin Conroy is the Batman in my head whenever I read Batman comic books. You know, Peter... What's wait not Peter Christopher Daniels Christopher Barnes. Daniels born sorry I'll have to learn his name better uh, but he is the Spider Man whenever I read comics that's the voice in my head something up as I was going back and looking over this that I'd forgotten so much about but he has so much dialogue within his own head yes he like narrates what's going on within his own self not necessarily narrate well, but helps, like talks to himself it, and it helps the viewers see um, what his feelings are what the motivations are mm-hmm. the intentions are kind of helps them along the story. And it shows you so much as Peter Parker does it and as mm. Spider-Man does it too. Um, and then the fact too, Spider-Man is known where he has this great wit about him. Yes. Whereas Batman's the dark one, you know, Spider-Man. He's throwing out these one-liners and these quips. And, and they're funny and some of them are super corny and they're not as funny. But the fact that he does it makes it so much better. And you love him for it. You love that there's that happiness like and funniness to a character that's beating up people at the same time. And Tom, I love how Tom Holland does it now. Like yeah, the same way he throws Tom Holland's scene where he was... Uh, investigating like, the bank robbery, and they were wearing the Avengers mask. He's like, "Hey, you guys aren't the Avengers," and mm-hmm. you're like, "Hulk, Thor, haven't met y'all before. Yeah, figure y'all be a little bigger." <laughs> like, I love stuff like that, and I love that his personality is like that. And I think he did a great job portraying it. There was watching some things, trying to catch back up on this. Some scenes where he went a little overboard with emotion of like screaming and stuff. But mm-hmm. honestly, like as a kid, it fit. Like now, versus being an adult and watching it or listening to it, it is kind of like on the extreme end. But it fit perfectly for what we were watching at the time. Whenever he was upset, he was upset, and but he sounded great. Um, I think he did a great job with Spider-Man. Uh, what other favorite characters do you have? I'll be honest. I wrote down Spider-Man's rogue gallery, or just villains in general, mm-hmm. is so deep and honestly probably one of the best rogue galleries. Now, Batman, for me, is has the top rogue gallery, the best Oh, absolutely. Villains. But Spider-Man's um, right Spider-Man's there. right there with it. I would put him there. The Flash has known for the rogues gallery, like with all his villains. But I would say Spider-Man's a writer. And I say that because of this show. Now, if it was just me reading the comic books, I don't know that I could say it because I, I don't have that experience. But the, the depth they went into, like we talked about a few minutes ago with these characters, you had a better understanding who each one of these villains was. It wasn't some random person that just shows up for a scene and then you never see them again until you know four episodes or ten episodes later just because they need to rotate the villains. Like You have a story happening where you get a better understanding who they are. One of my favorites mm-hmm. was Craven the Hunter. Okay. I'd like to hear about it, because honestly, I remember Craven, and I know who he is, but... He's still one of my favorite villains to date. Okay. Um, in the comics, uh, one of my favorite Spider-Man comics, and I'm not a big comic book reader, mm-hmm. but I bought the uh, Craven's Last Hunt, mm-hmm. uh, where he's hunting Spider-Man because he's a game hunter. Yeah. You know, and wants to capture the best game. Um, in the cartoon, there was a love interest, and you know, he was inject- like he was on a safari, and... The love interest injected him in something to try to save his life, and it turned him to this wild man, this crazed mm-hmm. man, and he ends up in New York, and he's hunting Spider-Man. And well, I think he thinks Spider-Man's a villain, right? Exactly. He thinks Spider-Man's yeah. a villain. And so he thinks he's doing a good thing. Uh, you know, absolutely. And uh, just the layers of that character, I just I loved watching Craven on the animated show, and I really want them to bring him to the big screen. I'm hoping they do. I'm hoping that now with the next movie, like, spoiler alert, spoiler alert, spoiler alert. Yeah, if you have not seen Spider-Man Far, for, far From Home. We uh, may randomly quote things. Yeah, I don't know. Fast forward a, a couple of minutes because yeah. we're going to talk about some spoilers here. 
for me, now that he is known out there to the public, who he is, they've put it out there that Spider-Man is Peter Parker. I feel like first it opens up for enemies to come along and uh, uh, you know find this kid. But I'm hoping that they have Craven come in. I feel like it's a great possibility. It doesn't have to be. They could split it up with a couple of different villains if they mm-hmm. needed to, but I feel like it's a time and you know, it's not such a far out there character. He's like a, you know, a normalized person pretty much, and I feel like you could bring him in in this. Definitely. My favorite probably out of the villains, and I'll say they all were great. Uh one that I you know remember bonding with is the lizard. Uh Okay. Kurt Connors. Kurt Connors, because in the the truth of it is this guy's a doctor who has lost an arm because of, I think, disease or you know or illness or whatever. Well, yeah. Something. For some reason, he doesn't For have For some reason, arm. I'm thinking he was, in, he was in a war or something. He may have in been. In a lost limb, but that could be yeah, I, me so creating, don't quote creating me a backstory. Either way, he doesn't have from, like, elbow down on one of his arms. Right. Uh, and so, as a doctor, he's trying to figure out ways we can grow his arm back while he's doing genetic things with animals and seeing that mice and other animals are growing their limbs back. And it's not just for him. Like, he would love to create it in a way to help others that have lost limbs and done things. So, he has good intentions with what he's doing. He's not an evil person. He's a nice dude. He has a family that he loves. Uh, but these experiments on himself turn him into the lizard. I think it was a lizard where he's trying to figure out where their tails fall off and they grow back. Mm-hmm. He's using that technology to try to do that this with This actually arm. was in the first episode. Yes. Yeah, Night of the Lizard. And so, he does that. And, you know, at first, his arm grows back. Things are great. Uh, but then, at some point, it overtakes him and he turns into the lizard. And at that point, he doesn't really have control over what he's doing. He's a madman. He is, you know, attacking people. His family gets put in harm. He's afraid to be around his family. He's afraid he's going to hurt his family. Um, but then, you know, and he goes through different times throughout the series where he'll have his arm or he'll be a regular man or he'll be back to the lizard or he'll get control over it with vials, with help from Spider-Man to help him. And he helps Spider-Man out, multiple, you know, because Spider-Man at some point becomes like the Spider-Man or whatever. He has like four arms or whatever, and he helps him with stuff. So he's a, a guy that kind of walks the line where he's a lizard. He's a bad guy. He's doing horrible stuff. But Spider-Man knows him on a different level as Peter Parker and is trying to help him in general. So I feel like it was just a great character where you can relate to him where he's not necessarily a bad dude by who he is, but with what's you know he's injected in his body to make him do something else. He becomes a bad guy. Definitely. Um, J. Jonah Jameson yes. in this you know, before um, J.K. Simmons yes. took on the role in the first Spider-Man trilogy, um, this portrayal of J. Jonah Jameson was spot on. And, and honestly, when J.K. Simmons took over, I felt like whenever he did this in the real world, mm-hmm. it was literally just a transformation from the cartoon series to a movie for me. Like, right. he just did it perfectly. Um, I love this character. You can go ahead. Sorry, no, I jumped he, on no, you on that one. No, that, he was just fantastic, and he, uh, he had his own reasons for not liking Spider-Man. Um, he was actually... Uh, like the driving force behind, um, behind creating the Scorpion, mm-hmm. which I think is straight out of the comics, and so like he funded like the experiment to try to like you had a guy in a scorpion suit, mm-hmm. and the the scientist was explaining, well, the scorpion is the natural predator of the spider, so you know this guy will be able to catch Spider Man for you and yeah. turn him over to the cops, and um, and I feel like I was reading something and I don't remember which way it was, but I think this is right. Um, in this version in the animated series. J. Jonah Jameson's parents were killed by somebody in a mask. Right. right. I think that's correct. And so with that, he automatically doesn't like Spider-Man because he's a man in a mask. He doesn't want to see him do anything because in his mind, the man wearing a mask killed his parents. Um, I think in like the comics, he just doesn't like him you know, for other reasons. But in the series, that's why. And knowing that now, I don't think I knew that growing up, but knowing that now, I get it. you understand why he has that hatred a little bit, but it is way overboard. It's funny, and I didn't put this down, but just looking at the parallels um, – J. Jonah Jameson would print these headlines, Spider-Man, The Menace, Return mm-hmm. to what, really his own version of fake news. Yeah. And how people in media have power to twist the truth to suit what they want. Sure. Um, and it's just very interesting, considering the world we're living in now in 2019, how in 1994, mm-hmm. uh, you had a character who was a media uh, mogul who... Uh, on the newspaper, was able to you know go on TV, on and he was able to say and put whatever he wanted on there to fit his narrative. Um, and, and with that, even that gets me so excited for the new Spider-Man, whatever they do next. Like, there's not one announced yet, mm-hmm. but at the ending of this Spider-Man movie that we just finished, spoiler alert yeah, again. again. But J.K. Simmons comes back. Thank you. He is the J. Jonah Jameson. He is the real world J. Jonah Jameson. He's perfect. But he automatically comes on that big screen, puts it out there, and lets the world know. So. Whenever that happened, it got me excited because it feels like now we're about to get into that world of the animated series in the same way of what I know about Spider-Man 
is about to start happening. There's a relationship with this man's back into the picture where we haven't seen him in these other two movies. Uh, and then as well as just what else is going to happen. It just got me excited for whatever's next with Spider-Man. But it's all based off the animated series. Cause like, I know this. I yep. know that character. I know this world. I'm excited for what they're about to do. Definitely. So, yeah. So, uh, notable guest stars. Yes. Um, and I just I have a list of people who we know that played, you know, characters on the show. Uh, we talk about J. Jonah Jameson. He was played by Ed Asner. And see, honestly, hearing the name, I was like, I know the name. Where is he from? He's the boss for Mary Tyler Moore Show, which I grew up watching that on, like, mm -hmm. SNCC, which was late night Nickelodeon with, like, I Love Lucy and other reruns and stuff. So I recognized him from that. But he also was who? Carl from Up. Up. And he had, like, a ton of other roles. He did. He did. But um, that's the one I, I associate with him the most. Um, Hank Azaria uh, played uh, Venom, um, Eddie Brock. Hank Azaria is best known for his roles on The Simpsons. Mm -hmm. um, he also had a notable uh, uh, recurring role on Friends as Phoebe's boyfriend, David the Sci Scientist. Mm. Um, the Hobgoblin. I totally didn't know this until <laughs> watching this. Played by Mark Hamill. You may know him better as Luke Skywalker. Or the Joker. Or the Joker from the Batman series. Going back now and watching some of the scenes and stuff with Hobgoblin, it's like he literally sounds so much like the Joker now. But he's, he, I guess he technically sounds like Mark Hamill. But seeing it now, it's like, oh, it's obvious. But as a kid, I didn't put two and two together. And I probably watched the shows back to back and you didn't think anything about it. In the early episodes of The Scorpion, they were voiced by legendary actor Martin Landau. Hmm. And then he won an Oscar for a movie he was in, and that kind of wrote, you know, his star rose again. Gotcha. And then they, he, so he ended up quitting the show and they had to replace him. But I thought that was interesting. They scored Martin Landau to play The Scorpion. Um, Stan Lee's wife, Joan, played Madam Webb. And I think that's awesome. And they actually have a callback to it, like in the show, where. Uh, Stan Lee makes his first cameo appearance at the very, in the very last episode. I love that. And he ends up meeting Madam Webb, and you know what a what a strange and wonderful creature you are. Yeah. And uh, so that's pretty awesome. I think that's probably the first ever Stan Lee cameo. I think it's what we've come probably to close to being the first one if it's not. Yeah, like he may have been Spider Man, The Amazing Friends, or those type of shows back then, just randomly. But for the world we live in now, where you've grown up watching Marvel movies and expecting Stan Lee to make a cameo, we're finally at a point now that he probably won't. Yeah. Um, because of his passing away. but His last one was uh, in Avengers Endgame. Yeah. But to see him in this cartoon, it made me happy. It's all of a sudden you see, like you've, you, know, you see a lost friend, somebody you haven't seen, you've seen this passed away now that you know more about now than you did back then watching that TV show. You probably didn't even know who Stanley was watching it when you were a kid. Um, but to see that now and to see him have a guest role there, and especially, like you say, talking with a character that's played by his wife. Uh, I remember watching a documentary about Stanley, and it shows him in his house with his wife, and it just shows they were just such an awesome couple together. Definitely. And so to see that and just see how they got to play that out together is just an awesome thing. Alfonso Ribeiro, who we know as Carlton from The Fresh Prince, yep. uh, played Robbie Robertson, who and was uh, who played uh, who was in The Daily Bugle, was one of Peter Parker and Spider-Man's defenders. Mm -hmm. And uh, addition to that was uh, James Avery, James Avery, uh, who was Uncle Phil. He was War Machine. He was. Uh, and I'll be honest, I don't remember a ton about that episode. I looked it back up and saw like you know clips and stuff of it. Uh, it's cool to see how people like that played characters that way because the same way he also was the Shredder in Teenage Mutant Ninja he Turtles. Was. Uh, it just it's awesome to see that. Like growing up, you love you know if you were like me or Eric, I'm sure you love Fresh Prince. Uh, but then these cartoons too to see these actors that played these roles that you had no clue that that's what they did. Yep. Um, just see how these things tie in and just these actors were broad enough they could do television shows, but then also could do voiceovers and cartoon shows and. This was cool. Definitely. Did I, did I miss anybody? Did you have anyone That's, else? That was the list I had. I'm sure there were tons of others, uh, and I'm sure if you're listening home and you know a little bit more about it, you probably know some other guest appearances. But All right, well, let's jump into fun facts and trivia. Cool. Um, the first one I have, mm -hmm. the theme song. Yes. Aerosmith, Joe Perry, is Joe behind Perry. the theme song that played at the beginning of every episode. And another cool, uh, well, not cool, but just notable thing is uh, we're going to talk about this a little more in a, in a second, but the TV uh, networks and uh, standards and practices had a lot of censorship laws mm -hmm. or uh, rules in place for the show. And they said you can't use the word radioactive um, anywhere on the show, so they came up with a term called neogenics. Mm -hmm. Well, radioactive is repeated a million times in the theme song. Yeah, the theme song. Aerosmith had already recorded it, and they're like, well, we'll just leave it there, but no more, no more. And uh, to add on to the theme song part, I believe this name is right. I'm probably terrorize it or do a horrible job pronouncing it. Not terrorize it, but uh, Shuki Levi is yeah. how I'm going to pronounce it. Shuki Levy. 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 
Either way. He wrote technically the theme song. Uh, Joe Perry played it on guitar. Mm-hmm. Uh, he also is known... Uh, he did a lot of the cartoons for stuff we did growing up. He did... Uh, let's see. Just a, a quick list. Inspector Gadget, He-Man and the Masters of the Universe, The Real Ghostbusters, X-Men, Power Rangers, that yep. insane guitar solo that's going on Power Rangers. Like mm-hmm. He had part to do with that. Big Bad Beetleboards. Him and uh, uh, Ham Saban were responsible mm-hmm. for a lot of the uh, Fox Kids yeah. uh, lineup. And so it was just awesome to see that people like that have that thing. Because growing up, I didn't even realize the guitar solo either in Power Rangers or in the Spider-Man. But they go back and listen to it now, and you're like, what? you know, these shows are pretty metal, like for yeah. hanging for what they're doing. And it, I really didn't know Joe Perry was the one that came in and did the song, especially when I first got in the music, I really got into Aerosmith. This is the mm-hmm. first band I got into. So it's cool to go back and look and see that Joe Perry did a guitar line in a song you know, that, for a show that I loved. Some more censorship new um, rules by the network. Mm-hmm. No fist to the face. Nope. N- no realistic guns. That's why you never saw bullets. You saw lasers coming mm-hmm. from the guns. Which it worked better seeing Spider-Man it, it dodge did. lasers it, versus yeah, bullets. bullets but. Uh, no fire. No crashing through glass. No children in peril. No mention of the words death, die, or kill. Uh, they could not refer to blood. So when you have Morbius the, li- or the vampire... Uh, he wants plasma. And I'll he, be honest, and I never understood that growing up. And he couldn't suck their blood through their neck or anything. He had to use the ports in his hand to suck plasma uh, out of people's bodies. Um, and that was all because the network is like, yeah, we don't, none of that because we're this is a kid's show. We don't want to refer to death, die, blood, kill, anything like that. Yeah, and I remember growing up, I don't think I questioned the plasma thing. I was like, oh, okay, he yeah, likes plasma. plasma. Yeah, plasma, whatever and I that didn't, is. I did, yeah, it's one of those things I didn't question what is plasma. I was like, oh, I assume that's he's sucking blood. Uh, there's another one. Uh, man, I've got it written down. Hold on. Uh, they couldn't kill people. I know you mentioned that. Yes. It's funny to go back and listen to how many times they were threatened with, I will destroy you. I will destroy you. Yeah. Yeah. You will meet your end. Yeah. So there's all these ways of saying, I'm going to kill you, but I'm not going to say the words kill you. So it's, I'm going to destroy you. We're on at three o'clock in the afternoon on, on a weekday for kids. So we're not going to kill you, but we will destroy you. And I think this came along around the same time as like the whole parental advisory act too. So even you start seeing this with music, like how Walmart wouldn't carry certain things, but then parental advisory stickers were on, you know, cities that said curse words or at least certain You started ones. seeing those little symbols in the top right corner that would have like Y or Y7 or mm-hmm. um, or MA or whatever. They started putting um, the way films have ratings, te- television shows were rated as well. Um, one more um, mm-hmm. censorship from the network. The Sinister Six were renamed the Insidious Six because yes. they wanted to avoid threatening language and the word sinister was threatening. Never mind the fact that the X-Men show that came out two years prior had a villain named Mr. Sinister. And he uh, honestly was pretty scary. He was pretty like scary. Like to be a kid. But uh, I guess since X-Men didn't air during the week, I think that was a Saturday morning only or whatever. But um, but yeah, no Sinister Six. They were the Insidious Six. And you mentioned a second ago, as far as the music stuff, Saban or, you know, was in charge of a lot of stuff of that. Uh, this show was actually one of the only show, or if not the only show, produced by Marvel. Yes. Marvel created their own like pr- production company. Marvel Entertainment. And they did this uh, later on, you know, X-Men and the rest were handled by Saban, like Power Rangers. I remember that name continuously mm-hmm. from Power no, Rangers. You see it at the end of every yeah. episode. Uh, but X-Men was handled that. I think Saban later got the rights for, like, the show, like well, Spider-Man. In, in 1994, production. Marvel was basically going bankrupt. It was. So they sold off all the, t- all the film rights. They show- sold off TV rights. I think they kept them for Spider-Man mm-hmm. uh, because it was already a proven um, show they could air. But uh, they sold off a lot of stuff uh, to other companies just to try to make sure they didn't go under. And it's crazy to think 25 years later, Marvel going bankrupt, that's, that's insane. But, I mean, it was close to happening in we the mid-90s. Like, before this, comic books had a huge spike. People were buying comic books, thinking they were going to be collectible, everything else. And some are, like, very collectible. But they hit a slump during this time period. And so that is where they were going bankrupt. They didn't have stuff. And so the same way now where so many people, you know, people know about it mostly now, but especially when these movies really started taking off, people are at, start asking, why is it Spider-Man teaming up? Why aren't the X-Men teaming up with these Avengers? Why aren't they doing this? Mm-hmm. And they didn't own the rights to them. No, they sold them to Sony. They sold them to Fox. I mean, And they're starting now to get it back where, you know, Spider-Man or Sony and Marvel work together, have a team operation for Spider-Man to be available. Disney just bought Fox, so now they can have the X-Men and, and Fantastic, Fantastic Four. Four. Uh, technically, I think Universal still owns the Hulk. Yeah, that's why you don't see a standalone Hulk movie. Yeah. Hulk, Hulk can, can be, be used included with in team-up movies, but can't have his own movie because Universal still has, or the rights are still kind of murky there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hydro Man, uh, who was featured on this show, was actually used as a stand-in for the Sandman. Yes. And the Sandman, they, uh, they were told originally you can't use Sandman 
or Electro because James Cameron is planning on doing a movie and he wants to use those two as the villains. And so they were off limits. Um, they ended up uh, using Electro later on mm-hmm. in the series, but they never used Sandman. They just put Hydro Man in his place. To be honest, I never put two and two together. I just assumed they were the same person. I never thought about the name, like Hydro Man or Sandman. Um, because I remember Hydra Man from, I feel like he had a toy in two. I feel like, I don't think I had the toy, but I remember him, like, them offering one or being on the back of the box when you bought one and seeing his picture. But just cool villains and stuff like that. Same way, too. They're not all just same typical villains. Yeah. Um, they're all had their differences and stuff. The uh, showrunner, the showrunners had to fight to include Madam Web in the series mm-hmm. uh, because the executives, they didn't want to feature a character that would not be made into a toy. Uh, they were really concerned about toy sales, so they put Madam Web, and they did make her into a toy. They did. I don't know how well she sold, but uh, they were really concerned about um, putting together uh, villains who you could sell as toys, uh, as fools for um, for Spider-Man. They didn't want to add a character who, I mean, I'm not going to use Madam Web as a, someone to fight Spider-Man or whatever, but uh, the showrunner fought for it because it was better for the story. And to go off of that in two different ways, uh, first off, they had some of the best toys out there. Uh, I loved seeing the villains and stuff because they were so colorful. A lot of the villains on the show, Spider-Man was colorful, but the action figures for the villains and stuff, I remember having Hobgoblin. I feel like he had the, like it was just a purple uh, thing he stood on to fly through the sky or whatever. Yeah, the glider. Yeah, Yeah, the glider. Uh, But just, they were awesome toys, so I get that too. Uh, Background story on that, here we go with names again, but Avi Arad helped run the Marvel Studio, that production studio that came out. Yes. He also was the CEO of Toy Biz. Yes, he was. And so, and Toy Biz had the rights to this show. So, mm-hmm. obviously, his main goal was to push characters that would increase his toy sales. Absolutely. You know, and I get that as a business standpoint, but they also had to go back and forth. Like you were talking about head writer John Simper. Um, he wanted to focus on good storytelling. Yeah. He wasn't concerned about selling toys. He knew it was part of it and how it was all working. But his job as a writer, he really just wanted to make good stories. Mm-hmm. In the same way, a lot of the things you see that were straight from the comics came from him. I remember seeing, they said he had a filing cabinet in his office that pretty much had every single comic book from Spider-Man ever written. So people that joined the writing crew, some of them didn't know anything about Spider-Man, but they had the source material that at any point they could go and grab and read. Um, but there were multiple times that they the two argued, with the CEO or the head production mm-hmm. and the writer, because John Simber wants to make great shows. He wants to make a great story that continues on. And the other one, he's just concerned about selling toys. Yeah. He wants to make money. I mean, I get it. It's a it's a show to make money and how the, things work. The show's work. there basically as a marketing ploy to sell, sell another, toys. Pro- another product. Yeah. And you see a lot of that from back in that time period. A lot of stuff was that way. There were even shows made after toys were made so they could just sell toys. He-Man, I want to say, is one of them. Um, but there's a lot of stuff like that where it's just this is completely we'll make stuff. this is completely off topic. Yeah. Um, and we'll, we'll probably bring it back up when we do a Power Rangers episode. Mm-hmm. But on the 10th anniversary of the Power Rangers, they did an all Red Ranger episode. Yeah, and they were originally going to do like a two parter and had this really like deep backstory. Then you know why all these Red Rangers are coming together to fight this one force or whatever. And the executives from Disney at the time, who they they owned the rights to the show, they're like, "Why are you promoting old toys?" Yeah, and so they cut their budget. They ended up having only one episode. And they still had to fight to get this one to film, and they ended up uh, compromising and say, well, you know, if we introduce this glider for the current Red Ranger, mm-hmm. he'll use it to destroy the monster. Yeah. And that, that's how they got the show to air. Um, you know, they weren't, you know, 10th anniversary, they were trying to explain how cool it would be for the fans and stuff. And I remember and, seeing that episode. It and was cool. it, it was pretty awesome, but they had to fight for it because yeah. it's like, well, we're not interested in selling old toys. We won't, we're only in the market for new mm-hmm. marketable toys. And so, I mean, that's the mindset behind a lot of these kids' shows. As adults, it kind of saddens you a little bit or depresses you. It's like a lot of these shows were just vehicles for me to buy something. And you didn't realize it back then, but you go back and look at a lot of things. Like Ninja Turtles. Mm-hmm. There's so many toys that were made for Ninja Turtles that, honestly, they may have never been in the cartoon series. I remember one of my favorite toys is Ace Duck. Yeah. And he literally is on I don't the, remember him. He's on yeah. the show one time as, like, he's getting interviewed on TV that they're randomly playing while he's they're in the scene. Right. He's not made into some big character like he is as a toy. But a lot of stuff was done back then that way. Well, you had uh, a lot of Ninja Turtle uh, action figures where it was the turtles dressed in, like, yeah. uh, working clothes or whatever. Or, like, you had mechanics or rock stars. And, like, that never happened in the show. This was just an, another you way to sell. You could make money. You, you could sell another Leonardo this way because he's a, he's a rock star and he has a guitar. Or and if you're going to have one, you need all three. All four, yeah. Well, yeah, all four. Well, the need, three others the other in three, addition to yeah. him. Now, that didn't happen all the time for me because turtles are expensive. But uh, the only thing I had left uh, – 
every finalized script that they had. So once they wrote a script for the show, once it was finalized, an actual comic book cover was drawn for that script. That's cool. So I thought that was really cool. They said that the head writer on some of them even had them colored professionally and everything else before they stored them away or whatever. But I just thought it was really neat. You don't think about so. You think no, about just the script being written. But they actually did that and had an actual cover drawn that applied to that actual episode that they were doing. So this is my last one. Uh, this uh, The series ended on a cliffhanger. It did. And uh, just to give you a little bit of background, uh, in I think season four, Mary Jane Watson gets sucked into like a little portal mm-hmm. and she disappears. Well, she comes back in season five. Her and Peter Parker get married. And then when they're on their honeymoon, Hydra Man attacks. Turns out Mary Jane Watson's just a clone mm-hmm. from Hydra Man. So she ends up uh, va- evaporating. But the real Mary Jane's still out there somewhere. Somewhere. And after Spider-Man goes through, the, I think the Beyonder brings him and all these other superheroes together to fight this cosmic whatever. Then he does the um, the storyline where all the Spider-Men are fighting, uh, you know, like a rogue, uh, carnage-based Spider-Man or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, Madam Weslet, let's go find the real Mary Jane Watson. And that was the end of the series. Season six would have featured um, Spider-Man jumping through time. Yeah, uh, They mentioned uh, that... Carnage would be posed as Jack the Ripper in uh, the 1800s London, and that's where they would find Mary Jane Watson is somewhere in time, and uh, would have sounded super super awesome. But then they just in the series uh, after 65 episodes, and I just always wonder what a sixth season would have looked like and how that reunion uh, just to complete the story because the story was incomplete. It was. Um, so that bones me out as, as a fan of the show. They did so many things right. And then they just cut it off. And even with that, the marriage of Spider-Man and MJ is the same way straight out of the comic books, right. at least for that aspect of it. Um, I remember seeing that and seeing the cover, and it looked very similar, at least. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then also, there's that scene that you talked about where the person that's a clone or whatever of Mary Jane, she's dissolving away. She turns almost like into water or yeah, spirit or whatever. She says, if the, if the real Mary Jane was anything like me, just know that she loves you so much. And Yeah, and that's and heavy that's, hitting that's for like powerful. a 3 o'clock kids in the afternoon cartoon show. And the same way, though, Peter Parker does one of those giant screams or yells or whatever, you know, not in a bad way, but it's, you know, that's heavy hitting for a 3 o'clock in the afternoon cartoon show for kids. Definitely. Um, and it just shows that the writer, like we said, really did want to put on good shows. It wasn't just a ploy to make some money by putting on a kid's show. No, it was good storytelling. Uh, we're jumping into favorite episode, and mm-hmm. I had an issue with this because... Okay. There's so many. There's so many, and a lot of these were like multi-part episodes. They were. So, um, I don't know how many you listed. I listed a, a, a few. Um, I'll let you go first. We'll, I only did one main section. We'll but. start with the one we just talked about, The Return of Hydra-Man's parts yeah. one and two. Um, just for that idea of you find out, like at the end of part one, Mary Jane Watson's throwing water powers at Hydra Man, and it's like, mm-hmm. oh, does Mary Jane have water powers now? What is this? And she doesn't even know, and it turns out someone took a clone and just mixed it with uh, Hydra Man's mm-hmm. whatever and created Mary, Mary Jane Watson. Um, so that one was just, like you said, heavy heavy episode, heavy hitting. Um, I'll yeah. go next. Okay, uh, go ahead. For me, and we talked about it a little bit before too, but this show was the first time that you really saw a big Marvel crossover. Right. That you saw other characters from other shows coming in. Same way you talked about you, you know, War Machine, Captain America, Iron Man, the Fantastic Four, um, Doctor Strange even made appearances and stuff into this show. Uh, there's a section of episodes. I want to say it's two or three parter, but the Secret Wars. Secret Wars parts that, one through three. That yeah. straightly comes from the comic books. I think stuff's a little bit different or whatever, but they bring in because you can't bring in Secret Wars includes tons and tons, tons. of characters. But for a cartoon show that's 30 minutes long and three episodes, an hour and a half, what you're looking at roughly, they couldn't bring in everybody, but they brought in, I thought it was Fantastic Four, Iron Man, Captain America, and Doctor Strange, Storm came from the X-Men. And Storm, yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and the reason, they didn't bring in, well, the reason they didn't bring in all of the X-Men was that they uh, recorded their lines in uh, Canada, in Vancouver, mm-hmm. I believe, and Spider-Man was based out of California, and they had uh, the former voice actor for Storm who okay. was living in California. So that's why they brought her in. That's cool. I didn't know um, that. I was wondering like, why you wouldn't bring in, say, Wolverine or Cyclops. Because they were some of the... Don't get me wrong. X-Men Animated Series are doing a whole show on that sometime soon. Amazing show, too. Uh, but well, and not only did they bring in the heroes, they brought in the villains. They, they brought did. in Doctor Doom. Awesome. They brought in um, uh, Red Skull. Yes. I mean, they brought in some other Spider-Man villains. And it was just really cool to see this big, gigantic battle. It's what every kid kind of dreams of when they're putting their ki- uh, their toys together. What is it? It's um, like what we talked about with Summer uh, Memories the other day, like, or other week, whatever, but about how you're playing with your toys and you're bringing in your Power Rangers and your Ninja Turtles and your G.I. Joes to fight, you know, Rita and Shredder and, you know, 
Uh, just all the villains. The United just, Alliance of Evil, basically. Yeah, but you're putting them all together, and it's a, a kid's dream. And so to see that, the Red Skull, it's the first time I ever heard anything about Red Skull was on this show. So whenever I saw the Red Skull in you know Captain America mm-hmm. in the movie, like that's the only you thing. In addition who, yeah. to, it's like, oh, I know who that is because Spider-Man the Animated Series. Like, and so it's awesome to see that, um, just that crossover, to see your favorite characters all in one show. They did it a couple of times. I know there's another crossover uh, with Wolverine came in and played mm-hmm. a heavier role. And Beast. And, and Beast, yeah. Where uh, Spider-Man was looking for a cure to his mutations. Yes. Yes. And so it's cool to see all that, to know that they are in the same universe. It showed that. Um, later, we would see like Power Rangers and Ninja Turtles do a crossover together. It was a pretty bad episode, but it was, it still was kind of fun as, as a kid. kid yeah. You loved to see that, but um, just for that, I didn't know anything about a Secret Wars comic book as a kid. I didn't know that. Um, I've have it now. I'm excited about stuff like that now. But to see that then, and just to know that these are your favorite characters and all playing together on yeah. the same battlefield, it was just an awesome thing for me. So. There's so many great episodes, but for me, that's what really stood out. Yeah, I had Secret Wars list as well. And the other two, I had um, the Alien costumes, part one through three. Uh, that's the introduction to Venom. Okay. And not not just Venom, but the the symbiote um, that first bonded bonds with Spider Man. He's got mm-hmm. the black suit, and I felt felt like it told that story um, to the point where I criticized the telling of Venom in Spider Man Three. I yeah. haven't seen the new Venom movie. Because I, That's pretty I, th- good, I felt like the cartoon, the animated series, did it so well. It um, just it was incredible. And then the last one I have is uh, the two part season premiere of uh, season two, uh, the Insidious Six and the Battle of the Insidious mm-hmm. Six, where you have these six villains teaming up, teaming up against Spider Man. And the cliffhanger for the first episode is they unmask him and they know he's Peter Parker now. Mm-hmm. And but then the villains are like. This is that Parker kid that takes pictures of him. He can't be the real Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. I bet he's sent here as a decoy. And it's like, but you don't know that. You know, going to this, like, how's he going to get out of this? Yeah. And just fantastic cliffhanger. And you're always, and that actually, uh, they took elements of uh, the comics where Spider-Man's losing his powers and mm-hmm. put it into that story too. You saw a little more of that in Spider-Man 2 uh, when he was losing his powers whenever he was going through like a bad time or rough uh, patch in life. Um, so you have Spider-Man losing his powers. He can't jump up and stick on walls. Um, doesn't have his agility, and he's still having to fight all six of these villains. Mm-hmm. Um, just like, how's he going to get out of this one now? And so I, I love those episodes. In addition to the one you mentioned with Venom, uh, same way. Everything I know about Venom comes from an animated series. Also the same way where Carnage, Carnage comes into play. And Carnage was like the more wicked, sinister version of Venom, and it's like, Venom was scary. It's like Venom on steroids. But Carnage was, like, horrifying. (laughs) And I remember reading something they were talking about, how they didn't know how the show would do it, because with these standards that they have where they can't say certain things, can't do certain things, you know, Venom came from Eddie Brock, who was just almost like a jealous type, Mm -hmm. at least in this show. Very envious, yeah. Yeah. You know, Carnage comes from a man that is a mass murderer, Mm -hmm. like, or convicted murderer who's gone and killed multiple people, you can't say kill, so how are you going to say multiple kills? Exactly. You know, he Mul- doomed, multiple he, destroyers. He doomed them all, I guess. <laughs> but um, to go from there and just how they played that character out, how when they were limited to what they could do and say, but to still make him that evil uh, and such a great show. And I think it ended up turning around where Venom kind of saves the day at that point, saying, because at first Venom and Cormorant's team up, but at the same time Venom at the end says, no, Spider-Man's ours, you can't have him type deal. Um, and they fight it out. And I know I did see the new Venom movie, I will say I enjoyed it. I, you know, I, I don't know how much I can say it is as far as being 100% accurate or being whatever, but as a movie in itself, I enjoyed it. It does, you know, spoiler alert again, end up where they're referencing Carnage if they do another one that he would be involved. I think it would be really cool to see Carnage, you know, involved in that world where you don't have these restrictions that you did in an animated series. But um, even with that, I remember this time period. I felt like we talked a little bit about it on our video game episode, but they came out with Maximum Carnage, right. which is a video game. And you're making video games at the time based off of, you know, these TV shows is what's making the characters popular with the world and toys and everything. They're coming out with this. And I remember that the commercial for a video game scared me more than most things ever did. I didn't watch a ton of horror stuff, but I remember, like, kids are out there and these these dark reddish black clouds rolling in, all these things happening over a town. And then all of a sudden there's just, like, giant carnage in the sky, like, kind of reaching out. He's about to kill you. And it's doing, like, random game clips in the middle of here and there. But... Honestly, great villains, and it was a great storyline with with the show. And the, the the crazy thing to me, I, I when I think of Spider Man villains, I think his two most popular villains are the Green Goblin and Doctor Octopus, mm-hmm. and they were well represented in the show. They were, 
and we haven't spoken a word, a word about them. Because everyone else was just, I mean, they were excellent. They were, everyone, they were great. Everyone was excellent. Um, even like your B-list villains like Rhino and Shocker and um, the Chameleon, Mysterio showed up in this. Mm-hmm. I mean, I knew Mysterio because uh, in the latest movie yes. because of this show. I knew the twist was coming. I know. literally in that movie kept waiting. I loved the Mysterio character in this movie. He did a great job, but I kept waiting. I was like. Mm-hmm. According to the animated series, he's a bad guy. Absolutely. At some point, this is going to change. This is going south at some point. And I honestly didn't know how they were going to do it because in the animated series, you know, it's a cartoon that can kind of just do magic how they need to. I didn't yeah. know how they were going to do it in the movie. They did a fantastic. They job. did. No, I won't no spoil spoilers it. on that. No, but they did an amazing job on how they played that out. But I kept waiting because I was, I was like, I know this character. I'm excited for this character because of what I know from the animated series. Um, I feel like any time with that with Spider-Man stuff that's coming out late, I'm super excited because I want to see how would they relate. That I will say in the last Spider Man was it the Amazing Spider Man or whatever, the um the other the, the Spider Verse this no this the Spider Man the, the Amazing Spider Man yeah, series yeah the, the series they had there the before we got the they new had sp- Lizard and Electro as your villains and with some, them some, some of them I liked them, yeah. but Rhino he went completely off base it's yeah. just some dude standing in a some a Russian mechanic. guy in a, yeah in a tank yeah and it, well he's like pretty much it's like a body tank that kind of has a, a nose on it for a Rhino um it really disappointed me with that. I love the fact of characters like that. In that show where you have a man that's more than just a guy running around in a rhino costume. like He literally has powers to do things. Same way the Juggernaut in the X-Men. It's some giant dude, like yeah. buff-up dude, but it's based off of powers that he has with his costume, with his helmet. Um, so I love these type of things. I love that you know, they can expand upon this. We can really get excited about some of those characters. And like you say, there's so many we haven't even mentioned that honestly do an amazing part. It's just as us as individuals, we have different people that stand out to us. The, the live action movies have done a good job of, um, for the most part, mm-hmm. of portraying the Spider-Man we love from the animated series. Um, the Spider-Verse movie, really, it was my favorite movie of all 2018. It was great. Um, which is same because it beat out Black Panther and uh, Infinity War and all these other And you loved comics. them. Like, I remember seeing in both the, in theaters with all those movies. Yeah. Movie. And they were all great, but that honestly, Spider Verse is an amazing movie. Uh, just um, for for so many reasons. Um, the last thing I'll end up on the the next thing or the the most recent thing that has made me as excited for Spider Man as a I guess as a concept or as mm-hmm. a uh, I don't even know what the word is I'm looking for here. Um, the Spider Man PS4 game, and I don't own a PlayStation Four. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I used to. I sold it um, before this game came out. But I've seen people play this game, and it captures the essence of the animated series, where you have Mary Jane Watson in there. You have all these great villains in there. It even introduces a few other villains that I didn't know existed. Uh, Mr. Negative mm-hmm. um, is, is a villain in there. Um, I've almost gone out and bought a PS4 for this game. If I get my national board certification mm-hmm. in uh, early December, first of all, we're celebrating on the podcast, by the way. Yes. Um, that'll be a happy day. Um but I may have to go buy a PS4 just so I can play the Spider-Man game because it looks incredible. I, my favorite streamer, I mentioned him on the video mm-hmm. game uh, episode, Grand Pooh Bear played it on stream. Mm-hmm. And like he he would release um, YouTube videos of his playing, and it was just like a couple hours long. I'd get home from work, and instead of watching TV, I'd watch, watch him play. Him. And just not because I, you know, I do like watching people play video games, but the story in the game reminded me so much of the animated series. Um, just spectacular, um, and I, you know, Spider Man is one of those properties where you should not be able to mess it up mm-hmm. because there's so much good stuff there. Um, and if you know, you, there are a couple of missteps we mm-hmm. saw with Spider Man Three, The Amazing Spider Man Two, um, where you know it wasn't the best stuff. Even mediocre, I still enjoyed it. Even mediocre Spider Man stuff is better than the best of some other things. That's true. And honestly, all I know about the video game is I was uh, my wife. And I work for the same company at different buildings. And her boss, who is close to our age, around in there, he had bought a PS4 and bought this game and literally played it all weekend long, probably a month or two ago. And I remember going and picking her up after work one day, and he came in. He's like, have you played this game? I was like, no. I was like, I've, you know, I've seen clips or whatever. He's like, dude, come here. I want to show you all these characters. He was so pumped. Up. He beat the game, but he was doing all the side stuff now. And he was just talking about how excited he was. All the different character, like costumes you get to wear, all the different abilities, all the villains you face in this game, is amazing. Same way along the lines of Batman, like the Arkham Knight series and all that mm-hmm. stuff. He said this game is amazing and it blows. Even the other day, I told him I was like, "Hey, we're about to record the Spider-Man animated series and maybe think about you." The game he's like, "Dude, I'm still playing that game." He's like, "You need to get it." It's fantastic. And one of the things I saw in the game is just a lot of the villains you see 
were introduced in the animated series yeah. or were a part of it, like a lower level villain like Tombstone. Mm-hmm. He played several, you know, he was in several episodes of the animated series. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Rhino, Shocker, Scorpion, Electro, um, Green Goblin, all, all, Black Cat, yeah. who is kind of like an We an, haven't even mentioned, but it's an, a huge an, role anti, in this show. Anti-villain, um, you know, as a potential love interest for Spider-Man, mm-hmm. but uh, also for Peter Parker, maybe. Uh, she plays a part in the game. She plays a huge part in the series. Yeah. Um, just a vulture. Whenever uh, the the revamped uh, Tom Holland version of mm-hmm. Spider Man came out a few years ago, I only knew about Vulture because yeah, of that he was show. he was an older man in the animated series. Um, what? But uh, Michael Keaton did a great Michael job. Michael Keaton with it, did though. such a fantastic job. I, I could talk about the villain, the rogue gallery of Spider Man villains all day long. Um, both in the animated series and in the game that I haven't even played. I'm excited. It's been out for over a year. We have to go out and get PS4s and play the game together. Yeah, we'll just we'll decide, hey, we'll split the money. We'll keep the PS4 at Ricky's house, yeah. and we'll just come play <laughs> here together. It's halfway point. So, um, but, yeah, literally, we could go on for hours, folks. There's so many great uh, people. You, you mentioned Black Cat. I mean, there's so much in this series that goes along with her. There's so much we could do, but honestly – just if you get a chance, go watch it. Go watch a couple episodes. I mean, I know it's tough to go watch all the season or something mm-hmm. somewhere, but um, there's clips all over the place. There's stuff. It's an amazing show. Fantastic. If you show. never watched it as a kid, go watch it now. Or if you did, you know, go watch it now again. Um, but yeah, thanks for joining us this week. We love this stuff. It's, it's it's if you hadn't heard from our voices, we are super excited about things like we get pumped on just reliving our childhood with this. Yeah, and drop us uh, a message or a line, you know, if you have any uh, thoughts. I know we're already recording the episode, but, you know, when this, when this comes out. We'd still um, love to hear from you. We want to hear your thoughts on it and uh, on social media, facebook.com slash whatthewhatmedia, WTW underscore media on Twitter, and whatthewhatmedia on Instagram. Uh, just be sure to check us out and uh, leave some uh, comments or uh, like and share, uh, share uh, our, our podcast with people. Next week, mm-hmm. um, the podcast that's coming out next week is a what versus what going me, down me versus you underrated television shows okay it's so a tough one and that's a tough one because we don't really have set parameters on what really we don't because something i may think is underrated may actually actually be really popular and i just don't have a clue about it but um, hey we're going we're going to throw we're, it in we're, there we're going to go in there and um and we'll see how it turns out so um that's all we have for the day uh, all we have for this episode. Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, the What the What Show. We'll be back next week, back and better than ever. So uh, this is us, Eric and Kyle, signing off. What the what? What the what? Bye. What happened to the other side of the pillow? It stays, stays cold. as cool as the other. Wait. Yeah, let me no. try. Usually you in this show, so I you've got do, to do it. So it's your quote. It's my homage to Stuart Scott. Stay as cool as the other side of the pillow and get that Spider-Man. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.